Welcome in, everybody, to the newest episode of All Things NBA from A to Z, presented by Ball is Life. I'm Chris Persiain, and here alongside Zach Noble, really excited to get back into the swing of things, talking about the state of our lovely National Basketball Association. Zach, we're a week into 2024. The Knicks are 5-0 and since trading for OG Ananobi. The San Antonio Spurs have five wins all season. How we doing? I'm doing better than the Pistons, that's for sure. But I'm doing closer to equal as the Knicks, I'd say. I'm 2024 is rolling. I'm pretty jacked up. I like your energy. It's it's glistening to me. And uh, I'm ready to dive into it. Well, love that, first of all. Second of all, we got a couple of headlines to attend to. So we'll be taking inspiration from the longest-running sports call-in show in New York City, one-on-one on WFUV Sports. We'll be starting off our show, top of the show. We'll be doing headlines. To start, Eric Spolstra has signed an eight-year, $120 million extension with the Miami Heat. John Morant is out for the year with an injury. Halliburton out for at least a couple weeks with an injury. Draymond Green is back from his indefinite suspension. And uh, we've got a whole lot of other stuff to talk about on today's show, but we're going to start with these headlines. Zach, first off, start us down in South Beach, Eric Spolstra, 8-120. How are we feeling about that? It feels like something you just had to do if you were Miami. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you basically give the guy everything you can and are willing to. And even if it's, I mean, I'm sure he has a couple of Carnival cruise ships already, so that that's probably off the table, but yeah, I mean, he deserves to be the highest paid coach in the history of the game, whatever that takes. Cause I think he's that great. Um, I think he overachieves literally every year. Um, no problem with it. It's just wild to me to see a hundred plus million in front of a coach's name. It's like never happened. Um, I'm Jack. Williams. For him. I love Eric Spolstra. I think he's, Everything and more that the culture personifies and this league needs. So all about it. Love it. Well, for me, Spolstra is someone who is an all-time NBA coach um, and an all-time great NBA coach. And and you just – anyone questioning this is ridiculous. Um, and anyone being like, oh, that's so much money to put towards a – listen, the NBA – let me tell you something. There's a salary cap in the NBA, but it does not apply to staff, staff, analytics, water boys, you name it. None of that <laughs> stuff falls under the salary cap. That is a capless area of the league. And so when teams with really rich owners ex- uh, expend resources in that regard, I'm always impressed because I think it should be the standard. And unfortunately for the sport, it's not. Um, and, and I think that owners across all major, all four major leagues in America cheap out all the time. So like, I don't know, like Leon Rose got hired by the Knicks and he came in and instantly turned what was the smallest coaching staff in the NBA to one that had two guys get hired to lead college programs in the next year in Kenny Payne and Mike Woodson. Um, just like, that's the kind of stuff that stands out to me is when, Owners and GMs make the most of the uncapped areas of the league. Miami, with all their strength and conditioning, you guys should know by now they make the most of that. So Spolstra getting a fat extension should not surprise you at all either. And I think it's a great move for the Heat. Shout out Eric Spolstra. He is someone who, you know, if Twitter ran the Heat, would have been fired in 2010. 
Um, I always say like Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin would have been split up in their first two seasons. If Twitter ran the giants, there's just no patience with struggling head coaches. Um, And I think it affects the market. Like I think coaches are getting fired quicker nowadays because teams are running out of patience and, uh, the heat gave Spolstra patience with that super team, the heatles, and he has returned the favor tenfold at this point. Shout out Spolstra, shout out heat culture. I'm so glad he did get those teams because if he didn't, I mean, who knows what he'd be to be honest. And we wouldn't get to see the greatness because it did give him some runway. And I'm sure, I mean, the lessons he learned from that squad, I mean, it's not like, people like the way they criticize Joe Missoula. I, I think it's a lot of that similar to Eric Spolstra when he took over his teams and rightfully so. Uh, but the difference is, I mean, there's much greater talent gap. I mean, Wade, LeBron, Jason Tatum, <laughs> and Jalen Brown, but it's, it's a similar situation, just levels to this. The last question on this, I want to ask you, does anybody sniff his jackstrap in the league? Any anybody close? Um, I would like, hope not in a literal sense of the term, but in, in a figurative sense, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say, I think you get coaching from Steve Kerr and not close. No, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is close. Those are guys who, in different ways, have a similar effect that Spolstra does in terms of trying to always be ahead of the curve with with scheme and game planning, but also being kind of firm in their ways. Um, I think if you just talk quality of coach, sure, Ty Lu is up there too, but he's so different from how those other he's guys He's got a coach. lot to a, a- Prove to me. I mean, and I can say improve, but prove like Ooh. playoffs mainly. And a lot of that. I would have gone the other way that, around. I think Ty Lue has a lot to improve, but not a lot to prove. He's won at, well, at in the most dire circumstances at the highest level. Yeah, but I mean, he's he, so from his resume wise, he's overachieved a lot. And that's when it, when it comes to coaching, that's what it's expectations are you overachieving or underachieving and the playoff runs he's had without Kawhi and PG have been pretty awesome the fact that they remain competitive the fact that he can push 40 wins with Lou Williams Tobias Harris getting his best season ever Danilo Gallinari basically an all-star got snubbed um I'll always stand by that Mm -hmm. um that team was pretty awesome to be able to be on that level. Uh, but with that said, I mean, you still gotta have a couple more deep runs, um, to actually be like, I don't consider him a personified top three, like Nick nurse's season last year in Toronto, that, that was a negative for me. I mean, he underachieved, um, and that, so, He's kind of got to make up for that a little bit, but that's all I'd say on that. Um, Nick Nurse also just performed with my favorite band, Mount Joy. So there's wow. a lot of instant points going to him there. Look at that. There you go. Session. Hey, now. It was a jam session. Hey. The dude's 
gonna make a freaking album sooner than later. Soon, yeah, yeah. He should get a uh the Knicks owner to to perform on it. Imagine like the way the Eagles <laughs> do with, with the O lineman doing Christmas songs. What if like what if the NBA had like Dolan and Nick Nurse and uh, I don't know whoever else. I know Kevin O'Connor plays electric guitar. Um, <laughs> if you extend, if you expand, expand it to media, um, let's go and pivot to something not as cheery as James Dolan's band, which, uh, you know, sucks. Um, we got to talk injuries, man, for John Morant and the 13 and 23 Memphis Grizzlies after just nine games, uh, after being back from his 25 game suspension, Morant is out for the season with a shoulder injury. This news blows. Um, if especially if you're a fan of the NBA, but especially if you're John Morant, who who was feeling like he was just getting a chance to prove himself and kind of write over the story of of his, I don't want to say career thus far. The story of his career is his explosive talent, but the most recent chapter or two in his story have been kind of uh out of his hands at, at that. Like he made certain decisions, right? But I feel like the media is kind of writing his story for him at this point. And he was going to get a chance to, to change that narrative and write it himself. Um, he just dunked over Wembenyama the other night. He had an amazing return. We were podcasting live the night he came back, and and uh, the, the, they were playing the Pelicans. I just think it really stinks to see Morant get hurt. Um, you know, I, I'm I've never been someone who, like, even if I don't like a team, wishes injury on it. Like I, you know, like say say you're a fan of a team and you've got a rival like don't you want to beat that rival when both teams are at full strength like don't you want to show in the most honest organic way possible your team is just better than that team like no no ifs and or buts no asterisks so it's really tough to see John Morant go down especially just for the competitive spirit of the league like the Grizzlies are not a tough are, are they a really tough play when he's in the lineup um and without him it's back to Bane and Jaron Jackson launching threes all game and I just I don't know if that how fun. Oh, and don't forget Marcus Smart launching threes all game. So I don't know how fun that'll be, but oh, you just had to throw that in there. Um, they were thirteenth, twelve, thirteenth before Jack came back, and then they went six and three, um, seven and four overall in the time he was available. Uh, they looked amazing immediately. They looked honestly as good as um, anybody outside the Clippers, and uh, I'm not gonna say. The Nuggets, but because um, they've been kind of inconsistent here, but just in that stretch, they looked as good as anybody outside the Clippers in the West. I think they need to just sell everything right now because of this, besides Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. I think they need to gather picks and try to just tinker with guys that fit around those two and do everything they can um, to really – shore up the depth because I don't think Marcus Smart necessarily is working the way they wanted him to um, and don't necessarily love the fit with um, Jaron Jackson Jr. Bain and Smart. I think the injuries have proven themselves. It's it's not something you're going to sell on any of those big three just because they're so young. They're only in year four together. Uh but I really think they need to shore up the bench and all the depth pieces. So now is a perfect time to do that. But maybe maybe they still have some confidence riding high um, because they learned how to win again with Ja. I don't know. 
I yeah, I I get it, but it's it's tough, you know, and and Morant um yeah, Morant just just went to social media and said, "Damn, dog." And that's so real, like, "Damn." You know, there's so much opportunity it felt like with Morant back. That's just been been taken away from him and, and the team. Um but like we'll they're s- winning tonight. They're dominating the Mavs tonight. They're, they're going to win, yeah. And Luka. So I ask you this, just a quick hitter. Is there any team that you think that, I mean, doesn't need to win right now that should just buy low on Ja? Not saying the Grizzlies would even consider it. They I wouldn't. went through every team, and the only thing the that Magic. I thought. The Magic aren't winning. They are winning they're right now. They're trying to win right now. Yeah, though. but they, here's the sell, Zach, is, is – you know you're not ready yet with this core. You know that if you were to make the playoffs this year, it would be for experience, not because you're going to get a medal for making it to round two and then getting kicked out by the Sixers. Joel Embiid averaging 40 points a game against you. Um, tank the rest of the season. T- make a tough decision. Take every part of your team that's not Paolo, Franz, and Suggs and make them available in the trade. Um, that doesn't get it done for Memphis, though. And- but the, the amount of picks that they could offer along with talent would be nuts if they were just willing to include like Wagner. Like if they kept Suggs and they made the deal Wagner and picks, I'd so take that if I'm Memphis. And I know that's like idiotic, but I think it kind of the works. The thing I came up with, um, all the teams that the don't need to win. Yeah. The Spurs would be great. The they, Spurs would be great. they don't have anything to offer, you know, Vassal and- Vassal. He's not good enough to me. For me, it would be Mikel Bridges. Give me a core of Mikel, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. That's and maybe, the, I mean, the, you might get a little more with Mikel. 38-win team ever. <laughs> it is. But, like, I think that's an easy team to build around. And who wouldn't want to come play with that team that doesn't need a ton of usage and, like, just a dope-ass point guard? <laughs> I think I think they'd be hard pressed to find wins. Most people would call me crazy for wanting to trade Jaw for Mikel Bridges, but I think uh, I think I'll take Mikel's availability both guys over are overrated by the the national landscape. But Morant's really good, and Bridges is complimentary. At the end of the day, Morant's a guy. Bridges is a Morant's a dude. Bridges right. is a guy. Um, but you can't be a dude if you're not available. Well, the twenty-five Derek, games Derek he missed beco- became not a dude real quick. The twenty-five games he missed were not because of how he lands on dunks. We'll say that. Um, but yeah, kind of on the other end of the spectrum of young, talented point guards. Forget the athleticism and uh, all that stuff. Go to skill, right? Tyrese Halliburton, he's killing it this season. I'm not trying to imply Ja is not skilled. Oh my God, his passes are so sick. The way he cuts through lanes is so sick. But Tyrese Halliburton is like super duper cerebral. And I think that um, he's been a lot of fun this season too, the way he farms assists and feels like he's always got a hand in the play. That's that, that ends up in a score. Um, He's out as well. We'll start the Indiana Pacers being 21 and 15, uh, which is pretty good, pretty good. But Halliburton left hamstring strain after doing the splits and an awkward fall. Um, He's going to be out. He's got a grade one hamstring sprain, and uh, it's going to sideline him for at least 
two weeks. Zach, this isn't something the Pacers need to like hold their breath over, right? Like they this is another team that's like good and it's house money that they're good because they haven't traded for a star yet. So they're they're on their own timeline, you know? Pacers are a franchise that always want to be good and relevant, so they make ridiculous decisions at times just to do that. Um, this team, I think, is built on really solid depth, even though Tyrese Halliburton is most of the team. I do think... I, I would take them out of the Pascal Siakam sweepstakes. There's been a lot of rumors that they'd be interested in him. I think that'd be kind of dumb because why would Pascal Siakam want to be there now? I just think he's going to be out uh, longer than a month because normally when they say reevaluate, it go it prolongs for way too long and keeps going and keeps going and you never know. Um, but I I'm predicting a month and a half or so, and that would take them out of the playoffs. The way I see this thing playing out, but a lot of people really love Andrew Nemhard, and it wouldn't shock me if some reason these guys like stayed in that 10 spot, you know, competed with the Bulls and just dropped that far. And then Tyrese came back and back to where they were type of thing. Uh, I like their depth. I mean, Buddy Heel could go up to 18 points. Benedict Matherin could go up to 25 in this stretch. I think Benedict Matherin is going to really level up here. I mean, nobody off the bench has had more 20-point games than him over the last two years. He's a machine. I think he still has all-star potential. I that high on the guy, and I like their depth. I do. So we'll see yeah. what happens. No, I get where you're coming from. It's just like I think they're not a a serious playoff threat. Oh, I never did with even him, with, with him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like without him, I don't think they care much. Like they just got to keep it moving. Um, the Pacers. Are did your mic just go out? Sound quality just changed drastically. The Pacers, there you go. Are the Pacers are 21 and 15, like we said, 18 and 11 against the Eastern Conference. That's like really good, but also they're really mostly playing Eastern. I don't know. Um, they're good. It's just it stinks to have Halliburton be out because he was kind of why you watch them, you know. I love Jairus Walker. I love Ben Shepard. They had like my favorite draft class of any team besides the Rockets, probably. But so I watched them for other reasons than Halliburton. Also, Obi Toppin, if you know, you know. But um, I just think that he has not been great. Yeah, uh, no. But I just think it's tough to see Halliburton go down always. You know, you want the East. The Eastern Conference is really fun when all the teams are at full strength because the teams are good. Um, so it stinks to see Halley go down. A return to the court, though, in our next headline, our final headline. Um, no injury here, just uh, maybe injured feelings for Draymond Oop. Green. He's back on the court after an indefinite suspension following playing UFC on the court again. Um, I I love Draymond Green. I think his game is so much fun. I'm running out of patience for this. And I think the fact that he views himself as such a victim is so indicative of where this situation is at, right? Like, 
the fact that Adam Silver had to talk this guy out of retirement because the league was like, hey, we're really sick of you beating the crap out of guys in the middle of games. <laughs> I just like, what are we doing, bro? What are we like? How have we gotten here? How have we <laughs> like Draymond Green legitimately talks about this like he's being persecuted. And I just dude, he's a victim, man. The funniest thing ever, because, oh, my God, you're like actively like choking people out. Like It's so egregious. It makes it so funny. It's almost like out of a sketch that a player would like be this upset about how them doing the stuff that Draymond does is handled. But I don't know. Do you care, man? Is this a storyline you care about? Or are the Warriors so bad that you don't even care? Because right now the Golden State Warriors are 17 and 19. And Trace Jackson Davis is really fun. Brandon Pajemski is really fun. Like Moody and Kuminga are getting some minutes recently. Um, even if it was like pulling teeth to make that happen with Steve Kerr. Uh what do we think about this Warriors team? What do you think about Draymond's return? Do you, does it matter to you? Does it move any needles? I don't give too many shits, to be honest, but I will say I've been surprised with how well they've been playing without him. Um, I Yeah, they're 17-19 overall. think they're what? I mean, winning record since he's been gone, and it's close, 500 at least. I... To me, they, they still, like, are wasting just a lot of shit. If they're wasting their old guys, they're wasting your young guys. Like, the, the direction of this team is is not great. And it's annoying because Steph Curry is one of my favorite players ever. And Clay's one of my favorite players ever. And then there's Draymond, who just is annoying. And so, I'd love to see the band be broken up. I'd love to see strong investment into one of their young guys more than the other. I like that Trace Jackson Davis is finally getting time. I think he could be valuable to this team going forward. I liked him pre-draft. I thought do you he was mean, one of the biggest Do you mean Kuminga, not Moody? Oh, yeah, he'd be my choice. I just said pick, Why not both? pick one. They haven't figured that out ever. <laughs> Why would we expect Steve Kerr to ever figure this out if he hasn't? done it already without Draymond Green especially. Uh, but I don't think Draymond's necessarily going to be fixed, um, to be honest. I think we're going to be right back in this same thing really soon. Like a month of sitting in your basement, hiding from your children isn't going to necessarily get the job done. Um, therapy takes time. And uh, do we even know if he went to therapy? I don't know. It was just hilarious how he narrated this, too. Yeah, I just think, like... I was in my basement for a day and a half, and uh, kids kids came down one time and followed me. Then I stayed hiding. The framing <laughs> is all kind of ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Draymond, I think, like... <sighs> It stinks when someone comes back from forced time off and doesn't get why they had forced time off. Like, that's a lesson for me, too. Like, if I'm ever told, like, hey, you're not, uh, I don't know, let's make up a scenario. Like, oh, we want someone else covering these next three Knicks games. Like, we don't feel like you've been doing a good enough job. 
And instead of being like, all right, well, how can I impress these people, whether I think I'm doing good or not? I'm like, oh, they just hate me. Uh, I'm just going to do me even harder. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. That mindset gets you in so much trouble. I know this isn't a life advice podcast, but it just stinks. Like when you see players come back from a suspension and clearly not have learned a thing. Draymond talking about this all like he's finally made it out of the tunnel of persecution that Adam Silver put him through. But Adam's also like a brother to him and he talked him out of retirement. It's just all so much like I don't know. There's a lot going on. Maybe it's not the way he me. talked about Adam Silver. I would have been offended. Um, <laughs> David Stern was looked at as an incredible leader and a boss. And he was also respected a, him. Yo, I think people respected his authority. I don't think they respected him. Eh, I mean, I think they respected his willingness to use his authority. Him. People love player league also kind of has some definitely some negative stuff behind it. In my opinion, where Guys like Draymond, I think, can take advantage of them, and um, there's pros and cons to it, but don't need to go too far into that right now. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Um, well, listen, man, let's just pivot past headlines to our kind of our segue here. It's a different power forward who's going to be the topic of discussion and it's kind of our last headline, our first real topic to talk about. Pascal Siakam and the Toronto Raptors. Um, they're reaching an inflection point. Either this is going to be the saga that led to the here damn Pascal extension, or this is going to be the saga that led to Pascal Siakam's end of his time in Toronto. Um, we're at an inflection point right now. Zach, first of all, where do you see this going? You think he gets dealt or you think he doesn't get dealt and he just takes the, the money that Toronto can offer him, which is more than anyone else? I don't like that there's not like leading smoke one way or the other really right now. I mean, it's not even that dramatic of trade rumors going around right now. And it just sucks because... I like rumors and uh, I don't like undeserved rumors, like guys that are happy that don't want to be dealt. Um, like this hasn't never really been the case, but there's a huge segment of Nick's Twitter that just needs to get rid of Julius Randall type of thing. Um, regardless of how good he's playing when, even if the yeah. organizations never even consider it, just annoying stuff like that. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, there's still people that would want to trade him when we're number one in the Western Conference. It's like, give me a break. You're never going to be happy with that attitude. But Pascal Siakam is on a middling team. I don't think he's happy. I just think he's a good guy and giving this new head coach a fair shot and just not necessarily wanting to burn the thing down in flames either. I think he's playing... Just it as a respectable human, but I think everybody, I don't think nobody owes him anything, first of all. Um, but I do think in the NBA world, there's a lot of favors that are granted. And I think it's doing 
Toronto the right thing too as a organization building for the future. I don't think he should be a part of it. I just don't. I don't think he's good enough, even though he's a great complimentary piece. You could talk me into that, sure, if he was fully bought in. I don't think he is because I don't think he's playing at his best right now. I think he's a much better shooter than he is, and I think that has a lot to do with I think one foot's out the door. Um, that's my thought. I want him relocated because I think he deserves to win at this point in his career. I just body language doctor here. And um, I (laughs) want this team to build around IQ and Scotty Barnes and maybe RJ Barrett, if he's more than a placeholder. So, yeah, I think that's the plan is find out is RJ Barrett a placeholder. If he's not, um, what's the plan? You know, obviously don't trade Pascal, a great franchise piece, a great leader, for nothing, but there's got to be a team that can get you at least two first. He's yeah. worth two or three first to me. Yeah, Indiana would be that team, right? Indiana's no. probably... Why not? No, not with Halliburton going down unless this team... For oh, the next... he's out for how long? A, m- a month at most? Yeah, but, I mean, unless you trade for Pascal right now and Pascal keeps you afloat, which I think he probably could... Um this team could really go backwards, dude. They could go on like a six-game losing streak or something and go down to 10. I think if you're the Pacers and you're going to giddy up for a star trade, you've got to believe in your team without Halliburton. Like You've got to believe in Nemhard and your coach to make that shit work. Um, so I think Indiana – here's the thing. I don't think Indiana is actually good enough right now to where making a Siakam swing gets them to where they need to be to justify it. If I'm them, I do like, I try to trade miles Turner for first round. Like I literally anyone, if I I combine whoever I need to, to get first round picks from other teams, that way you can get that star for Halliburton without triggering your Stepien rule so much um, and still have picks left for more trades down the line. You've got to be able to, leave yourself open for in-season upgrades after a star trade. Because look at Phoenix right now. They did not do that. And look where they're at. Everyone in the league knows at this stage of the season what they need to improve on their roster. They don't have a pick until 2031 or some crazy shit. Like, I do think Phoenix needs more time. They've only played three games with their... For sure, right? But like, if they could go grab... Again he's literally untradeable. Like Duop Reith cannot be traded because he's on a two-way contract. If Phoenix had second round picks and they could go give Portland two second round picks right now for Duop Reith or three second round picks. Like, I think that changes the course of Phoenix's season more than people would think because of how weak their front court is now. Um, and they just don't have any sort of flexibility. Remember the Chicago Bulls? They put together Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Vucevic. And, like, if you didn't treat it like it was the hottest and upcomingest young core, you sucked and everyone hated you. Because everyone hated young core. Everyone hated me for a summer for acting like that wasn't the most exciting young core in the league because those guys were all 30 years old. I just, like, I, you know, and they suck. Um, But, like... They started hot. Th- yeah, they did. And then they were themselves from there on out and it went to shit. Um, 
I, I just think you got to leave that open. Um, and you got to leave the doors open. So for Indiana, if Halliburton's the guy you say he is, if this team is as good as you say it is, as you think it is, make the move for Siakam. Take Jarris, take Obi, and take draft capital, trade it for Siakam, and, and, make, it, the- and make it work, right? But but I don't Probably think the Indiana's there yet. I don't think Indiana's there yet. I just think if they're where they say they are, they should do it. Same, I said that- the same thing about Toronto. I don't think Toronto was in a position to trade for Dame Lillard this past summer. Yeah, they're weird. But if Toronto's players were as good as Toronto said they were, in what they wanted back in trades for Ananobi and Siakam last season, you trade for Lillard because you think you're good enough to win with him. So Indiana should move for Siakam because they they clearly think they're good enough to win with him. Um, I don't know who else. My two destinations like are the only two teams that would become contenders that are realistic are Miami and specifically Dallas, in my opinion. Um, Miami's cool. That's neither cool. team would be giving up a lot other than picks. Um, it'd be cap filler and picks. I'd love both of them for Seattle. Those are my favorite. Kings have been rumored, but does Toronto really want Porter and uh, Harrison Barnes? Really? That's what no. you'd be getting back, Davion Mitchell. I mean, those are good contracts, good complimentary pieces, and that fits. So I wouldn't blame them. Um, could have be the right veteran presence with Scotty Barnes and Emmanuel quickly going forward. So it wouldn't be terrible. I just think Kings, I mean, it makes them maybe a second-round team at best, right? I mean, how good can they, like, really be with Siakam there? Like, I think it's a better fit than I give it credit for. It's just he's not shoring up all the defensive holes they have. He'll help, maybe, a little bit, but I don't think it makes him more than second-round ceiling. I totally feel you. Um, Atlanta's the team that people talk about with Siakam. Well, what are your what's your take there? I just don't think they're good enough. Like love it. Similar uh Indiana situation. And I loved it before the season. I would have been all over that before the year, but man, it's just I don't know why it's not working. And I had Quinn Snyder in the same tier as Nurse and Spo, and it's not looking great now, but I think I'm still putting more of it on Trey Young than him. So, I like I, I've been saying it for a while. I was either overrating Quinn Snyder or Trey Young, and I, it's looking like Trey Young to me. There it is. Um, I, I, I don't know how to put it besides like, it feels like Trey keeps running through head coaches and I don't think he's going to run through Snyder. Like I think Snyder sticks. Um, what do you do if you're how, Atlanta, how does that man? St- you got to get rid of DeJounte Murray. You have to trade DeJounte Murray to a team that will keep him long-term because of the way his money works. So I don't think the Knicks are, are an option the way some people have said. Um, like nobody, Are the Utah Jazz the team you can strike a deal with? Would they want Murray long-term dude, with Dude, DeJounte Murray in Utah, really? Th- that dude is going to be cool with going there? Does he have I, a say? How much of a say? I know he's represented by Rich Paul. How much of a say? I think he has Oh, because he's got to extend. Okay. I mean, he fits Orlando's identity as a Suggs. Oh, I'd, lo- I'd absolutely love Orlando. And it looks like him and Paulo are 
chumming it up again. Well, they're Seattle. They their little beef. They're both from no, Seattle. They, they were beefing at the pro am, though. That I was, know, I know, but they that shit don't last long. If you're that, a real it's man. the if NBA. You're a real man. It's and not, I think it's the NBA. That stuff is never real in the first place. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Booker and Paul George is real, bro. The, the, the Clippers and Luca, and Suns hate Booker each other. Luca I want have... that in the playoffs. Booker and Luca have made their thing all love now, and it's low key. I think like oh, really? just Booker That's making it that way. Um, I think Luca doesn't give a shit. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Dejounte Murray, dude, is is locked in. Now, he's got a long deal, so his contract's there. Regardless, regardless, I don't think there's anybody in Utah that's getting. Dejounte Murray jacked up and wanting to stick around. Um, yeah, he's such a tough one because the fit has to be just perfect. And I last year I thought it was working decently. I thought it was like a shitty version of Harden and Westbrook, like <laughs> fit wise. Um, I don't know, man. Like Brooklyn. And who are you going to get back that's going to make Trey Young happy? Because you know that dude is going to be in the year like, I need players. I'm, yeah, but I'm I, think, I think I think Trey to Brooklyn is fun. I think they should go for it. No, if you, if you think McCante to Brooklyn. Oh, oh, sorry. I was thinking. Trey's not leaving. Dude, he's uh, too young. We'll see. Too young, playing good enough. We'll see when when Brooklyn gets Donovan Mitchell, and McCall and Donovan are like, yo, Trey, you would complete us. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I could see that being the worst big three of all time. Anyway, with this, my, <laughs> here's on. my favorite fit. My here's my favorite fit. I've I'm pretty certain that you can't come up with a better fit than this, and it would make him a real contender. Uh, Philadelphia. Oh yeah, and. It makes a lot of sense because Murray and Maxi long term, they're both clutch guys. I love that. I they're both clutch. They're both that. clutch. Rich Paul would love that too, man. Tobias Harris, DeAnthony Melton, Kelly Oubre. I mean, no, Kelly Oubre. He's a staple there. He is staying. Um, Isn't he on a one year deal? Picks. Yeah, he's on a one year deal, but. Um, Tobias is enough contract in himself. I just think oh, value wise. I mean, you could do Tobias and picks, but no, that's not. And then and then trade DeAndre Hunter out of there too. And try I to wouldn't get do Tobias and picks if I'm Philly. Why Tobias sucks? I don't think Dejounte is good enough. I don't know that Dejounte sucks less than <laughs> you know what I mean. Come like, on. Come on. I'm not big on defense. Playmaking. Defense hasn't been good in in a couple years. And I'm not saying he's a bad defender. I'm saying like. I think he can get back there anytime he wants. I think. Sure. But right now he's coasting off reputation. I don't think that's a hot take. Sure. But I think a lot of it's environment. All right. Fair. Well, we're going to pivot now ourselves to the final segment of this here show. 
Um, talking about Pascal Siakam and the Raptors just made us hungry for some trade talk, and we're going to feed into it. We're going to feed into the machine and talk about three teams we each have that need to shake things up, whether that's adding, subtracting, buying, selling, whatever it is, teams that need to make a move of some kind. We'll talk about what kind of move that is as we elaborate, but Zach, who's team number one for you? These are not in order, by the way, just the first team for you. Okay. Um, not in order, so it doesn't matter. I'll say yeah, Chicago. Yeah. I've been banging that drum yep. forever. These are the top three hot teams that need to make a move more than anyone. And now that Kobe White's really good, gets the job done, bargain, Zach Levine, there's no way you need to pay him what you're paying Zach Levine. You got to get Zach Levine out of there. That's the move. Maybe sell high on Vooch. Maybe sell medium on Patrick Williams. But yeah, I mean, I've been wanting to blow this entire team up for eternity. Um, gotta. You absolutely have to capitalize on what's happening there right now. I I get it. Um, Yeah. For me, team number one is the Los Angeles Lakers. They have just had a report come out. Rumors are saying they're they're you know scared about losing depth and they don't want to shake things up too much. I think you can't be scared about losing depth on a team where nothing's nothing is going well enough to justify keeping it around. Um, I know Gabe Vincent has missed some time. I'm not sure how much leash I'm willing to you know extend there for that. I think the Lakers, based on the the kind of team they're trying to be, need to make changes. Um. If they want to think long and hard in front of the mirror about what they really see in that mirror and what kind of team they want to try to be. Okay. <laughs> you know, then we can change things up, but if they want to be a top flight team, they're not close. And so they need to make a swing at pieces that will fit. Perfect. I think role player swap outs and upgrades are the way to go. I don't think swinging for a third star is going to magically change everything. Um, Everyone always says, oh, the last time the Lakers swung for a third star, we saw how that went. Yeah, they picked someone who wasn't a star in Russell Westbrook. Like, maybe going for an actual star this time could work well for them. I think this time they should make an acquisition that, or, or several acquisitions that beef up their reserves uh, and their talent around LeBron and AD more so than I think, oh, they should try to get a real star this time. What do you think? I'm trying to think of a situation where that's ever worked for LeBron because he does it every trade deadline and nobody grumbles about their situation more than LeBron. And I, I truly love this depth. I think it's a coaching situation again. I think Darvin Ham isn't very good. And if you can't get along with LeBron, you're worthless. And so I feel like, you know, what I really hate those like the Doc Rivers. I'm not saying it, that's even real smoke or anything, but like you just see his name floating around there, and then random pictures of LeBron smiling with him and chumming it up a little bit. But that would be bad. I just think that's a quick band aid to last a year or two. You want you still have young enough players in AD, a franchise cornerstone. And Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura and a few other guys, maybe, that you need a coach that's going to last past LeBron. 
you know, and Darvin Ham was supposed to be that guy or could kind of be that guy. It's not looking like he's getting it done. And sorry, Darvin, you're, you're my adjustment trade. Um, I don't know who the Lakers, I mean, outside of Zach Levine, DeJounte Murray and upgrading there, I think they would help. I think Zach Levine would really help. I don't know about DeJounte Murray. I really don't. Um, think he'd be a hot name. That's always good in Lakerland. And I think it's only worked one time for LeBron to really beef up role players. And that was um, the title run in Cleveland, I imagine. I'm pretty sure he made a bunch of moves. Yeah, they tweaked the roster before. And I think that's the kind of approach they need to take more so than... Um... I don't know. I I think that's the approach for this time. All right. So my next team, um, I will go with, I mean, the Lakers are really high up there just because LeBron's (laughs) always, always pitching and you got to make the guy happy to maximize him. Um, I truly think it comes down to Atlanta and uh, Golden State for me. I'm going Golden State just with age. I think you keep pods for sure. Um, I think Trace Jackson Davis, you're getting a decent amount of growth out of Kaminga, but I'd rather just sell high on him because you're not going to maximize him. I don't see that happening. There's players that aren't going to take a lot. I truly think there's enough decent players out there that aren't going to take a lot that could do great things for this Warriors team. I really do. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to get like a take into succinct the- words and I can't. I kind of need to like meander nope. around that take before I settle on. Let it. me let me tell you this. The only player that I think might be semi available right now that would cost a lot in trade value would be Lori. Just because it's Danny Age. Right. And I truly think you might get him for a value right now, just because that Danny Age might want to explore the draft and have fun that way but it's not a great draft and i think he's a smart man so there's that factor too hmm. <laughs> but everybody else that's out there and available i think you can get pretty pretty cheap well, yeah. we'll see i could be wrong i, I mean, think it's i think the market I might see be if the I'm other right way. or wrong but yeah I, well when it's cap relief it's different but I think the market's high, like right now. Nobody we've talked about is cap relief, though. I know. I'm saying <laughs> that's when it gets into affordable territory. Right now, I think the market's pretty up on guys. Like things have to shake pretty right for someone to go for a cost that you think is fair. Um, I think right now players are being bought more so than sold. Uh, mm. if that if that makes sense. Um, team number Imagine. two for me is the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the reason is they're headed towards the luxury tax and, and for no good reason. And that's pretty much it. Why are you going to get yourself above that apron when you stink? Do something about it. Jalen Johnson's good and cheap. Do something about it. You know, you have guys like AJ Griffin who cost nothing, who are good, who you're not playing. I'm sure. I'm sure Snyder's justified in that behind the scenes, right? But on the surface, it looks really rough 
to be bad doing what you're doing. So change what you're doing. <laughs> That's where I'm at, man. I think it's that simple. Yeah, it's just so many people are so high on Jalen Johnson. I mean, I'm like really lukewarm on him. It's just not necessarily coming across as a, a winning player, but I'm not necessarily saying that's his fault either. I mean, he's young, just getting his opportunity, really, so it's a hard thing to say. I think it comes down to the DeJounte Trey factor and everybody else fitting with them, and it's like Trey needs new names, something bigger, something more fun. I don't think they're necessarily going to get it unless you're getting like Lori out there, you know, uh, maybe Zach Levine. Um, but does he do much for them? Probably not. I don't know what so, he does for anyone, man. He's so good <laughs> at scoring, but like at the price that he comes at, I'm talking about like salary per year. I don't want that deal on my books. If I work in the NBA. Yeah, it's, Risky the way you talk about him. I do not. If it's going to a good situation, yeah, he's making like good. fifty-five million dollars a year. That's a lot. Like, yeah, look holy how bad Bradley shit. Beal is. Bradley Beal is looking like you're gonna have to buy that contract back. Yeah, later. and it's like right now in Phoenix that I. Well, do you see a way out of their situation long term other than trading stretch provision? <laughs> They're going to have to trade Booker in like the summer of 25. No way. And no one's going to get why they did it. And they're going to be good after doing it, but not enough to justify it. It's just they're I'm, headed. They're headed for shit. Um, listen, man, yeah. you're, okay. you you gave. I, I said the Hawks. Katie and Booker were great last year together. I, Until why can't they be better with a little better. They were a second round out last year. And that's what they'll be. But they played really good year after year after year after year. It's just going to be tiring when teams do the thing where they give up all their depth to get a third star. They're never good. Shocker. Um, oh, the Clippers doing? They didn't give up all their depth. They were like really insistent on keeping Terrence Man. That was a whole hold. That was the holdup of the trade. Your third crazy. team, sir. Harden just makes him. So much better. Yeah, I know. That's why they say Law Murray told us on this show that the reason they were starting man was because they were preparing for a Harden trade. Your third team. This is out of left field. I truly think they have a lot of sell high talent. And why not try to have an actual team next year? This is the Charlotte Hornets. Terry Rozier would be averaging 24 points right now. And nobody knows about it. I mean, that's really, really good on a, a bad team, yes, but he's been super efficient. 24-7 and seven through 23 games, even averaging a steal. How good would that guy be as the sixth man even on the Sixers or something like that? Like, why wouldn't you rather have Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward or something versus Tobias Harris? Like, that's what gets the Sixers over the edge, in my opinion. And I can't think of too many other teams where Terry Rozier does that. Maybe Miami, Gordon Hayward would be great so many places. It's just a big contract to work on. Um, those two guys, and then, I don't know, maybe P.J. Washington you can sell high on, unless you 
believe he can get much better. But if we're not seeing growth from PJ and all this opportunity right now, it's never happening. But yeah, I I think now or never for Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward and shit. I mean, you could even build your reputation back if you offload Miles Bridges. Yeah. Yeah, they should do that. Go get Clay and Draymond for Miles Bridges. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. And run, run out Clay, Draymond, Gordon, Hayward, here for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh, brother. PJ Washington at the five. Um, but, but, uh, well, yeah, no, the Hornets, I, I'm actually really with you. I'm, I'm upset that I didn't put them on my list. Sell, 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 sell. My third team is a team that I think a lot of people think should strip things down that I think is just a move or two away. And maybe they could compound those into one move into being in a territory where people are like, oh, they just need to shore up the bench. And they're a really good team. That's the New Orleans Pelicans. I think if they're able to remove CJ McCollum, add a really good guard, maybe they do it in the same move. Um, They're in a position where people are like, oh, this is a team that needs to go get their final piece or whatever move CJ McCollum to the Orlando magic. They're looking for shooting. They're like, take back Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony and give them picks to make that, like give them second rounders. I don't, I don't know. I'm just bullshitting here, but if you can trade CJ McCollum and get guard play back that you're more confident can be neutral as opposed to positive. Some nights, negative other nights. Um, I think you're in a position where B.I. and Zion are shining a little more, especially B.I. is playing so well this season. Make the most of these guys playing great. Go become a top team in the West. Reshape your team. Like, the Pelicans are a team that should have been all over trying to move for OG Ananobi, trying to, like, I think they're Every just Every team so, should have been, though. Yeah, for sure, but them specifically. Like, getting easy buckets off athleticism is, like, great stuff and, and can shoot Trey in the Murphy's corner. Trey going to be better. Trey Murphy needs to be better based on how good his teammates are playing right now. Um, I know he's returning from injury, so it's okay. But like, if you're the Pelicans, can you take Kyra Lewis and CJ McCollum, turn those guys into Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz? Can you add draft? Do you think that's an upgrade? Yeah. Yeah. Markel Fultz is an upgrade. Dude, CJ's part of the reason why they're doing so good. He's shooting 45 from three, 47 from the field. What? I'm okay. I think with he's been all. CJ. I think he's been all right. I don't think he's. I don't think. I think part of the. Re, I'm. 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 Uh, it's tough for me on that. I know. I know. We were just talking about running guys out of town when the team's doing well. Yeah. CJ was such a negative for them last year. Like such a brutal minus. Um, that's that's fine. I. I mean, I'm, I kind of disagree with it just because they didn't have Zion and the team stinks overall. I thought last year, and you're expecting CJ, CJ McCollum, is a ceiling raiser. He's not a floor raiser, and that's kind of what you're coming across as. And so, I'm definitely not doing it for what you're offering in Orlando. I think it'd be sick for Orlando. That'd be that'd be nice, perfect fit there. What they could use. I maybe not perfect because I think they need more playmaking even than CJ, unless you really like Franz and Paulo that much, which that'd be, it's still an upgrade CJ there. Uh, but I'm trying to, who else, man? Where, where else? Like DeJounte Murray. How about that? I mean, Trey and CJ would be terrible. Absolutely. But if they're sending 
a pick or two for DeJounte. How is that DeJounte in New Orleans? Uh, yeah, I don't hate that. I actually don't hate that. For you them. like that better than CJ? Yeah, I like DeJounte better than CJ for them for sure. I like that. Because say if you trade CJ for not necessarily a point guard, you're moving in Alvarado, right? Or like Jordan Hawkins isn't playing point guard. It's not happening ever. Yeah, no. So you have to kind of have to get a guard back, right? Yes. But it's, uh, yeah, you do. You do. Dyson Daniels, no. I don't don't, like him enough. I don't like him. Okay. So it's DeJounte Murray out there, and that's about it. That's so hard. I think that's it. I think it's Terry Rose, Terry Rosier, and Gordon Hayward. They're going. They should go you know, for. What about that? Tell tell me about that. Do they like? Does New Orleans necessarily need that much depth though? Terry Rozier is playing equal to CJ, not better, equal. Maybe not even better. He's more clutch, probably. I would go Dejounte if I'm them. That's probably. Yeah, that. <laughs> That's forcing a lot of shit. What about CJ for DeMar DeRozan? They need more shooting. They not. They need more shooting. And you need shooters Toronto. around Bi and Zion. That's yeah. just the fact of the matter. That's just where you're at. So, yeah. Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy. As a connector. Josh Giddy. Okay. CJ next to Shea. Now we're getting somewhere. They like, nah. They're not gonna start CJ. CJ would be the sixth man for them. He'd be so pissed, but. Who cares, bro? Look at their look at their right. production. Look at that look at that defense and tell me that what that team needs to do is start CJ McCollum. Get the hell out of here. They're too good. Is it just straight up Josh Giddy or what what else? I mean, obviously probably salary. salary. But I, I think you're onto something with that one. Actually, genuinely. I like that. Um yeah, we just said we needed shooting though. So yes, maybe the, but I, I think that talent Davis Bertons, there's the shooting. Oh, hey man. <laughs> Unironically, that works salary wise, I think. So, Kenny Dub, anyway. Um, nah, Kevrich is an OKC stamped, he's okay, he's Presty stamped. Um, throwing Isaiah Joe, there we go. Uh, I would say that, um, if I'm, <laughs> I'm I, I would say that I would try to get to Jante if I'm the Pelicans and definitely. Giddy as a buy low doesn't seem terrible, but I think the Pelicans might be past buy lows with how good Zion and BI are playing. And that was kind of my point with having them on the list. Um, but that's going to do it for us today on all things NBA for Zach and I, we want to thank you guys for tuning in for Albert, our co-host who couldn't make it today. We want to thank you guys for the support. Al had, I'll say it. His play was Michigan. Um, so if you are, tapped into analytics capper you made some money on the natty uh shout out al our third co-host and a big part of the show thanks for supporting all things nba from a to z presented by ball is life we thank you for tuning in make sure you like and subscribe turn on our post notifications on youtube so you don't miss an episode follow the pod wherever you see us and us on twitter co-hosts just make sure you keep supporting we really appreciate it we'll make sure to keep pumping out episodes for you guys we get to talk about all things NBA.